Hello and welcome to the Susquehanna County Conservation District's Conservation Corner. I'm your host, Don Hibbard. Well, today in the studio we have District Forester Ryan Brown. How you doing, Ryan? Oh, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for coming on. Uh, as usual, uh, when we have a guest on the show, even though you've probably been here before, uh, I guess you were here with uh, Robert Firmly. But just to get a chance to let people know a little bit about you, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. Um, well, I started out in this area uh, at the very end of 2011. Um, but at first of all, when I first got into DCNR, I uh, started out at what was called Penertia at that time, uh, doing inventory work. And then from that point, uh, that was all across the state and in every 20 different forest districts. And then from that point, I went to Forest District 1, where I was a service forester, and I covered York and Adams County. So I got to gain a lot of experience there. Uh, I got to work with a lot of intelligent uh, people to help me further my career. Uh, I did a short stint there. I went and covered Pike County and Monroe County for uh, about six years, doing different recreational activities and some service forestry work. And like I said, at the very end of 2011, I was fortunate enough to get in to cover uh, the present work area that I have now, which is Susquehanna and Wyoming County. Uh, it started out that way primarily. And then w about two years ago, Wayne County was added to my work list. And we do some other things in Luzerne and Lackawanna County to assist on state forest management. Okay. Nice part about that is it's close to home, right? That's for sure. Okay. Uh, it's a beautiful area to cover too. So it's blessed that way as well. Yeah. Okay. So um, when I got a hold of you, you talked about maybe uh, speaking about limiting factors for forest health. And you gave me a scenario uh, that might assist people that are listening. So um, say somebody has some land and they want to know how much their timber is worth. What's going to happen once you get on the scene and, and arrive on the property? That's a pretty typical scenario that I get with the first call. I'd say about 75% of them start out that way. And what happens is I'll go out, talk to the landowner. We'll go out and start walking the property with them. And their, their, their main thing is they're looking for timber value. And then they'll ask me, why are you looking at the ground and, you know, across uh, the mid-level? And I'm saying, well, you do have some timber value here, but I'm looking what's going to replace that overstory if you do have a harvest. So what are the things that we're seeing on the, on the seedlings, saplings, and then some other factors of invasive plants? So that's where I start usually. And then we go from there and start pointing out suggestions on if you do have timber value uh, or what, when you potential to have a cut, what steps that you might want to take before you go and remove that overstory. So let's see. You mentioned some, some of the limiting factors. Um, start with invasives. Yeah, invasives of all kind. Usually when I say invasives, I'm looking at uh, non-native plants. Uh, we'll look out. There'll be a lot of times there's multiflora rose in the understory, autumn olive, uh, tartarian honeysuckle, uh, even sometimes Japanese knotweed. Uh, these things not native to the landscape here. And uh, if you go and remove that overstory, the extra light that they're going to be getting is just going to shade out any of your more desirable native species. Uh, and then you're left with an, unders an undesirable understory, and you really set the site back for a number of years. So it would be necessary to do a pre-treatment of those to help eliminate that uh, negatively impact on the landscape. 
I know behind my house, uh, they probably logged it off, let's say, 20 years ago. And what came back was honeysuckle and then a couple of maples and a couple of ash. You know, we know what's happened to the ash. So all they're really left with is a bunch of honeysuckle and some maple. So I guess, you know, it's an important point to make that you should probably be treating that if you are going to go and, and cut down some trees. Um, so chances of invasives coming back are, are pretty good, I guess. Uh, they're, it's, they're just, they green up first. Uh, they can persist in the understory, uh, without light, with light, uh, they'll take over. And the problem, the main, the biggest issue about them is too, just because you treated that plant doesn't mean you're done. Because most of these invasives, unlike, uh, most of your natives don't do this, but they have a seed source that can, that can stay viable in the soil for 25 years. So they can just keep, you disturb that site and then it's just, uh, creating an environment for them to take off again. So. Really, it really can hinder uh, desirable regeneration. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it's the first plant I see with a leaf out in the spring. It's crazy. Um, what else is a limiting factor? Another thing you see, like the, uh, people, have, I'm sure I've been noticing this a lot here lately. I've been noticing a lot more, unfortunately, spreading throughout the county with the emerald ash borer. Uh, the way that's been getting the ash trees, and then people want to they want to move and harvest their ash trees and i say well that's you know not a bad idea you know if, if it's showing all the woodpecker activity and stuff like that most likely it's probably too far gone but uh that's another thing you want to watch out for at that point if your trees aren't showing that if you want to get a harvest done you have enough to move uh go ahead and do it but i would say just make sure you're watching out for the invasives mm -hmm. and uh treating that shortly after the harvest at least then there's some other things you have to watch out for too. Uh, when I said about looking at the seedlings, you know, deer numbers, what's it looking like for deer browse? Because they can eat up to seven to 10 pounds of browse uh, in a day, or not not 10 pounds, about seven pounds of browse a day. So it's a lot of things that they can negatively impact if you have high deer numbers. Wow, I didn't realize it was that number. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, so, and then you, you mentioned insects, gypsy moths. Gypsy moth can be a problem. Typically, it's not as big of an issue in this area. I've seen some records that maybe back in the 90s, it was pretty bad. It caused a lot of mortality, but you don't have really that much of an oak timber type up here. It's more of a northern hardwood species. So uh, you have some other things like the tent caterpillar I would see as being more of a problem. Okay. Uh, hemlock woolly adelgid. Have you seen much of that in the hemlocks around here? It is evident. Uh 2012, it seemed like it, it came out really well uh, with a warm, we had a very warm spring or winter that year, and then that persisted and it took off. But then we've had these cold snaps where if the temperatures get down around five to zero degrees for a few days. That does a, a good job of killing off about, I think one year it was 93% mortality, another year 95%. So it does set it back quite well. The cold does affect that, uh, whereas like emerald ash borer, it doesn't do do as much damage to them. It get, has to get in the deep negatives, right? I mean, uh, negative 20. Yeah, minus okay. 21 yeah. right in that okay. frame. All right. Um, let's see. We also mentioned, well, it was a it was a wet summer, right? So there's some limiting factors there, I suppose, with the disease. Yeah, create with the humidity and the wetness. Uh, you've seen things uh, like combined with needle cast fungus taking over. On a lot of evergreens, especially, you know, blue spruce is extremely susceptible to that. So I would recommend 
do not plant blue spruce. It's a pretty tree, but it's probably going to succumb to it at some point. Um, and then also we had some other fact, anthracnose was prevalent all over the place. Now it's usually around to some degree, you know, you get some of your, like your dogwoods, we'll get it. They have it all the time. Sycamore has it all the time, but it just, with that wet environment was able to spread and be worse than it typically is. So you had a lot of people were calling me saying about their apple trees, dropping their leaves early, things like that, and other trees. And that's, that's what it was. It was anthracnose. Okay. I, I didn't realize that was what it was called. So it's helpful to me too. I know some maple leaves fell off on, on some of my trees and it came off probably, well, sometime in August. So that explains it. What else? Well, the one that I think a lot of people will uh, overlook, and I've seen this, this is probably one of the, the biggest factors that I see on every property that I, in, in the three counties that I mainly cover, is it's what's called, uh, it's native vegetation, but it's from beech trees, but it's called beech brush, which it shoots off the root system. Um, it's a survival mechanism. A lot of beech in this area is diseased, and it's showing that um, the, the, the usually beech has tight, smooth bark, but if it's diseased, as beech bark disease, it has the, the breaking of the bark, and it looks really bumpy. It's a, so with the survival mechanism shooting all those sprouts off the root system takes over the understory. And then people, the mistake that's made is people will have a timber harvest done, and since beech is extremely shade tolerant, it could persist maybe being two feet tall for 50 years and still live. But once it gets exposed to that extra sunlight, it just takes over the whole site and nothing else will have a chance to, to grow. Um, so that's, that's one of the main things that I see that people seem to overlook and take for granted just because I think it's because it's a native tree it can cause a problem. Okay. Yeah. I definitely seen that. Um, cause beach, the young beach, they tend to hang on to their leaves a little bit longer or even throughout the winter, and you get to notice them when you're out hunting, make a lot of noise, you think the deer's coming through the woods, and it's just the beach leaves. Okay, well, it looks like we're about out of time. Uh, Ryan, I appreciate coming on and spending some time with us um, and providing some insight into the limiting factors for forest health. Uh, Hopefully you come back and visit us again. I look forward to it. Thanks for having me. Okay, well, if you have any questions or would like more information on today's show, please contact the Conservation District by calling 570-278-4600, extension 3053. Or you can go to our website, www.suscondistrict.org, and find our Conservation Corner page with past episodes, links to information about past episodes, in a contact form where you can reach out and ask questions or make comments about the show. You can even suggest ideas for future shows. You've been listening to the Susquehanna County Conservation District's Conservation Corner. I'm your host, Don Hibbard, saying, enjoy the outdoors. <laughs>